Welcome to episode 149 of Telepractice Today with Kim Dutro-Allen and Dr. Todd Houston. Hey, welcome back to another episode. Um, Today I have a resource to share that I haven't used yet, but I think it's really exciting and intriguing and lots of people are talking about it, so I wanted to mention it. Um, Have you tried ChatBT? I have. (laughs) GPT. ChatGPT, I think it is. GPT. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So um, Boom Learning even sent out an email uh, in their little kind of like newsletter thing about using it in a classroom, how to use it in a classroom. I Mm -hmm. think it's a great opportunity for like teaching kids how to write questions, some of those, um, you know, kind of thinking action words like evaluate and describe Mm -hmm. and analyze. but I'm I've and I've talked to a couple teachers too. I I happen to have a couple handy <laughs> that live around me. My husband, mm-hmm. my sister-in-law, my other sister-in-law <laughs> are all in education. So and talking to them about like, you know, what what they think about it and how it's gonna change things about um, you know, how do you know if a student turns something in that they wrote on chat GPT? But and all of them are kind of in the same camp that I am, that it's something that's out there. So it's better to embrace it and figure out how to use it and how not to use it than it is to just like pretend it doesn't exist or fight against mm-hmm. it. So I don't know. It's pretty interesting. I'm excited to kind of try and use it. I do think that I would probably coordinate with the teachers that were in a school if I was going to use it and like let them know like, hey, I want to show them this. Would you be okay with that? Mm -hmm. Is there certain things that like you want me to, you know, rules around it or things like that? How are you handling it in the classroom before I, you know, took them aside and was teaching them? I don't know if some people could see it, how to cheat, but I don't really think it's like... You still have to know whether the answer was correct, but it can give right. you some ideas if you're having a hard time. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, my philosophy in terms of all of this is that it's, it's the SLPs who know how to use technology, whatever that might be, is going to will replace those who don't. So I, I agree. I think we need to think about how we're going to incorporate it because it's not going away. Right. You know, it's, we can't put the genie back in the bottle at this point. Right. Um, and now you're seeing all these companies, even, you know, on Canva, I was on there and they're talking about, you know, they they have a, 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 a trial in a sense with, with, uh, AI where I guess eventually you can just type in, you know, some design or something you want and it'll create it for you based on all of the different things you can do on Canva. Right. And so they're experimenting with it as well. And so i I think we're going to be seeing more and more of this as we go forward. And I'm kind of excited about it. You know, if yeah. I, you know, tell, you know, tell Canva that I want a logo that says this and I want it, you know, to have this on it and, and this picture and this picture. Give me three of them, you know, and hey, there it is. It save, saves me time of trying to yeah. figure it out myself. Um, so I think uh, you're right. I think we need to just learn how. Uh, to to incorporate it and how to use it correctly and to teach our students and and even for me with you know grad students using it for different assignments and things 
how to use it mm-hmm. correctly and mm-hmm. then how to check the work and because it's it's not going away yep it'll even write an iep call for you i figured out it will <laughs> it I will. just if you're having those things where you're just like can't you know what you want to do but can't figure out how to word it i feel like it's really helpful for that mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. i i think it's great and i think you know when we think about you know individuals with disabilities who have difficulty generating text or writing it's more of a you know if they can tell tell the chat gpt to do it or type it somehow and it makes it right easier for them i think there's just tons of applications in terms of aac i think so and ha- too and helping people learn that i think it's it's going to the advantages are going to far outweigh the disadvantages or the, mm-hmm. or the other issues that are out there mm-hmm so, but it's going to be interesting as we go forward because it, it does, you know, things will be abused and some of the deep fakes and things like that. We're going to have to figure out how we're going to police that. Right. But overall, I'm, I'm kind of excited about it. Yep. Yep. Well, on today's show, we have Amanda Semeko. She's from TalkPath Live and she's going to talk about their company and how she got involved in uh, speech pathology as well as telepractice. Great. So let's hear from Amanda. Hi, it's Todd Houston. I'm a co-host of Telepractice Today with my dear friend, Kim Allen. And I just wanted to take a moment and ask you a favor. You see, we at the 3C Digital Media Network, yes, and I am also the CEO of 3C, as we call it, we need you. We need you to maybe develop a webinar that we could distribute for you. Or maybe it's a course that you have in mind that you'd like to share your knowledge and skills. We would want to do that with you. We can help you distribute, produce, and distribute all of those things. We have blogs that you could do. Maybe you want to start in this whole wild world of online publishing and online media, and you want to start with a blog. We would be very happy to host that blog on our website. So if you have some ideas about blogging or a webinar or maybe a course that you'd like to offer or maybe you have an idea for a totally new podcast. You may not know this, but we actually produce five podcasts and it's growing. And so who knows? Maybe you have an idea for a podcast. We would love to talk to you. In fact, I would love to talk to you. I would love to showcase what you're doing, your knowledge and skills, no matter what it might look like. Course, webinar, podcast, blog, doesn't really matter. You can reach out to me at Todd at 3cdigitalmedianetwork.com. That's T-O-D-D at the number 3, 3C, C as in cat, digitalmedianetwork.com 
and I will be in touch. Thank you for considering this, and we'll talk soon. Well, Amanda, welcome to the podcast. Can you share more about how you became a speech-language pathologist? Absolutely. Thank you for having me. So my story starts off, I think, probably a little bit differently than some. Uh I really wanted to be an early childhood childhood teacher. Um, That's Mm. what I wanted to be starting since I was probably in elementary school. And I got all the way through the process. I started student teaching. (laughs) I walked in that first day and I said, no, I I can't do this. (laughs) I... I know. I couldn't stand the thought of being stuck in a classroom with the Mm -hmm. same 30 students day in and day out. Mm -hmm. Um, So I went to one of my professors and I started talking to her and she was like, well, Amanda, you know, I'm not a teacher. I'm a speech language pathologist. I was like, well, what is that? You know, (laughs) and she explained to me a little bit more about what it was and that I could work in a hospital or I could work in a clinic, I could work with accent reductions. And that's what really, I think, kind of sold me was that accent reduction piece. Um, I'm from Michigan, I live near Detroit, (laughs) the big three auto, and I was like, yes, that's the market I'll go into. I was like, I can get hired by one of the big three, I can work with higher (laughs) level execs. And I was like, I'll make tons of money. Not not the direction I went, of course, but well, early childhood to accent reduction. That's a that's a big big yeah, change. It's yeah. a big leap, right? Um, but you know, I did, you know, so I went ahead and I was like, you know, let me take these classes. And, you know, much to my parents' dismay, I, you know, had to take another year and a half of schooling to complete to get that bachelor's in speech language pathology, but I have never looked back and I've never been happier. So, you know, that was kind of my journey to finding speech. Well, it's, it's always fascinating when people have a different background and get, you know, they find this profession. I was, I was yeah. a journalism is my undergrad degree. Mm-hmm. I was a reporter for several years and a staff photographer actually. And uh, in South Carolina, and then oh, went back to school. Cool. Yeah. Different. Kim yeah. was in prison when she first heard about. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I that your story wasn't that different than mine, but I was in high school and the high school ran a preschool and cuz I thought I wanted to do early um early elementary education too, but we ran a preschool and it was kind of the same thing. I got in there and just like the idea of the whole classroom management was super mm-hmm. overwhelming. But ask Todd what my first uh, placement was, was teaching a preschool. <laughs> yep. Oh, that's funny. Yeah, I really thought I did. Yeah, for deaf and hard of hearing kids and I was in a preschool. So, but yeah. I didn't even get cued in. I Every day in high school, my senior year, I went to the pre-K classroom at our elementary school and helped out there. And I still thought I loved it. Yeah. So mm-hmm. Just, I think, walking to, into a classroom that I was supposed to teach was like, right. That's maybe different. not. That's different. I had a similar reaction. My first job as a speech language pathologist was at the School for the Deaf in North Carolina. When I, the first couple of weeks there, you know, new SLP right out of school, get this full classroom that's mine, this whole this big room is mine. And I was like, I have to stay in this room all day. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it was like, 
because when I was you know working at the newspaper doing that stuff, you're always going somewhere and doing things, talking to people. You weren't sort of staying put in one place much. And uh, and so I thought I was going to go stir crazy the first couple of weeks. It's like I go in, you know, I walk out down the hall to eat lunch, and then I come back to my room. <laughs> I'm there working <laughs> with more kids. And it just, it really affected me the first couple of weeks. And I finally got over it, but it, it was like a, a sort of a wake-up call um, that this is going to be different. Yeah, that's, it's, it's a lot different. Yeah, that is for sure. <laughs> Very different. So you you finish and what what did you do first? So I started, you know, working in the schools, <laughs> you mm-hmm. know, thought I was going to do accent reduction, did some of that in grad school, but I decided in the long run, like, you know, holidays and summer vacation were pretty important to me at that time. I was like the school's mm-hmm. the route I'm taking. <laughs> so I spent the first 4 years working in person. Mm-hmm. Um I was driving 45 minutes to an hour and 15 minutes each way. Mm -hmm. Um, But still loving it. I really did. I loved working with the students, loved collaborating um, with different disciplines and the teachers. And I found, you know, that was, it was nice. It's different, obviously, than what I'm doing now. But I did, I did enjoy myself for those first couple of years, even Mm -hmm. with the, you know, treacherous drive. (laughs) Sure. Sure. But I kind of started to notice that the drive was, you know, wearing on me and, Mm -hmm. you know, just the extras of being in Mm -hmm. the school, you know, cafeteria duty, Mm -hmm. bus duty, carpool (laughs) duty, whatever those extras might be that the school wants you to do. Plus seeing, 75 students and trainings that have nothing to do with us, those (laughs) kinds of things. Yeah. So it's, you know, it just, it got to be a lot. Um, And I felt, you know, some of the schools I was in, I was more supported than other schools. And I think that probably goes, you know, just about everyone has felt that within time before in their lives. Um, But then what really kind of, put, I would guess, the nail in the coffin there was I got sick and I ended up needing an organ transplant. So while you're on the UNO's transplant list, you cannot be sick or you are placed on what they call hold and you cannot get called for an organ. So I was like, I am not getting sick. Mm -hmm. What happens in the schools? You get sick. (laughs) All, All the kids are germy. So, you know, what did I do? I started to think, okay, what are my other options? Oh, hospital, that's not an option. Smith, that's not an option for me. Clinic, probably not a great option. EI, not an option. So I go to Facebook. That's what everyone does, right? They go to Mm -hmm. Facebook to see kind of what else they can find out there. And I started seeing um, teletherapy jobs. So I looked a little bit more into it and thought, well, that would be a great option for me. I could stay home. I could stay safe. I won't be sick. And um, so I started to kind of research the companies that were out there at the time, which weren't a lot. It was eight years ago. And um, I ended up getting a job with one of them. And that's kind of how I started my career in the teletherapy world. And you haven't looked back ever since, right? I, I 
<laughs> tell everyone all the time, I will never go back to brick and mortar and you right. cannot make me. Right. Um, <laughs> well, and you have to be on your probably have to be on immune suppressants, right? With well, yes, an organ yes. transplant. So that's, and I think for like thinking about the SLP side, that's true. And some of our students, that's true too, that, you know, that's the best way for them to receive services too, if they're that immunocompromised. Absolutely. Yeah. I've, I've worked with a student before. She was waiting for a transplant as well. And we, you know, we kind of bonded over that. She right. got, mm-hmm. I was servicing her and it was really cool. And, um, it was during COVID. So mm. she really had to, you know, kind of isolate herself from the world. Mm-hmm. But it was it was fun to kind of have that connection with her. And um, being in the teletherapy world, I guess, for the past eight years, I have acquired over 16 different licenses. <laughs> wow. So can you, like, you, someone should keep track of a record for that or something. You may hold it. <laughs> I know. And you have three. I mean, you, I have you know, three. you have to keep up with three. She's got 16. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> I, I did miss the renewal on one this year. They sent me the day after. They're like, you missed your renewal. So now you have to pay 50 bucks more. I was mm. like, hmm, do I even need it? But I, of course, renewed it. But <laughs> I really sat and thought about it for a while because I was like, oh, do I really need that one? But it's the one time you don't have it that you're going to need it. That's right. You suddenly get all these patients from referrals. <laughs> referrals from that one one state. Yeah. Oh, I thought you were going to say that. so. Um, what? So as you've gotten into your your telepractice journey, with, and I noticed in your bio, you had some different companies you worked with. What has been your your sort of favorite population to to focus on? Oh. I don't know if I have a favorite population. Um, I think they all have really good things about them. Um, for a while, I would say, you know, the early childhood age, um, I really enjoy, mm-hmm. you know, working with those elementary or even younger. But then I really always be, am able to form really great bonds with high schoolers, um, even, you know, up mm-hmm. to the adult age, just because we're able to talk about life skills and what they see themselves doing in the future and you're able to almost form a more of a friendship. I've had several students who have graduated who still text me to this day just to, you know, give me life updates. And I love that, that they feel comfortable enough to do that. And I made such an impact on their life that they want to keep me informed on what they're doing. So that's really cool. Yeah, I was surprised with that, too, because I always thought I wanted to do um, the younger kids. And I started doing high schools. And the other day I was able to I have a student that's working on like presentation skills and keeping her thoughts kind of in order. And she's in culinary school right now as well. So we found a YouTube video where someone was sharing a recipe and went through like what they did that made that effective and how we could do that when she's telling someone about how to make something. So, yeah, you kind of get to do like different, more like life applicable. I mean, it's all life applicable, but it feels like real life things with them. I think there's more buy-in too when Mm -hmm. they can see how it's going to affect their own life instead of just, you know, repeat these words for me. Right. You know, you can do that with the littles, I feel, you know, and they're like, okay, you know, I get it. I have to be able to say this sound at some point in my life, but 
you know, with the older students that you really have to get that buy-in from them for them to even want to show up. Mm -hmm, For sure. Do you have any favorite um, uh, websites or resources that use for your, for your teenagers, your high school students? Yeah. So ones that I really like, I really like vocabulary and I don't hear about that one being talked about a lot. Um, I just love that there's the music component to it. I mean, some of the lyrics are a little cheesy, but I mean, we can have a good laugh over that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then for all my ages, I really like to work on stuff that they're doing in the classroom. So yeah. I really like for them to, you know, I work with the teachers and, or I ask the parents, like, what are they working on? And, you know, the high schoolers can bring their work. And I just like it to make it really, you know, focused on how it's helping them and not so much to give them more work. Um, but, you know, mm-hmm. even most of my, I feel like my high schoolers, they, they want to play the candy land. <laughs> they they want to <laughs> play the Uno. Yeah. I never mean, put I'm away like, Uno. <laughs> I'm like, mm-hmm. you really want to play that game? That's meant for someone a little bit. Yeah. It's so fun. I haven't played it since I was little. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> if that's what you want to do today, I was like, it's up to you. We can still work on, you know, what you need to work on while playing this. Right. And I like what you said. It's up to you. Um, I think we get a lot more buy-in when we still give them choices. And when we say like, what do you want to work on today? Uh, Or what do you want to work on next time we meet? Those kinds of things. Yeah, I feel the same way. I feel like, you know, you just kind of have to be open to hearing what they say and what their concerns are. And I always talk, especially with my older ones about, you know, your IEP is coming up. Like, what are you concerned about? You know, yeah. what do you see happening in the classroom? And for yeah. them just to be able to voice their own concerns and kind of help to craft their own goals even is, you know, something great that I like to do because that really just gives me that buy-in again. And I'm a big believer in the buy-in. That's super important, especially for the high schoolers. Um, but I'm a big believer that no matter what age, they should know what they're working on. So I'm always mm-hmm. like, okay, we're here we are. What are we working on? Like, what's your goal? And even if it's so much, you know, I'm working on the letter F, um, that's enough for me. As long as they right. know what sound they're working on or that they're working on vocabulary, that they don't have to know, you know, the little details of that goal, but they need to know right. enough. Yeah. And then you hopefully avoid those kids that are like, I don't want to be here. I don't even need help with this. Or I don't go to speech. <laughs> that, that's my, my favorite. No, I've never seen the speech pathologist. And then like I'm like, really? You, you've you never seen me before? Oh, that's what we're doing? <laughs> I'm like, yeah, that's what we're doing. That's awesome. Don't even know what, yeah, what it's all about. Yeah. Yes, I mean, or yeah. or accommodations too. Like how mm-hmm. do we expect our kids to self-advocate if they don't even know what their accommodations are? I spent a whole session just going over that with a kid who came in crying because he was so stressed out about school. And I was like, okay, let's go through. Are we using all of these? Could some of them help you? How are you going to ask the teacher for them? That's a great idea. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I guess... That is interesting because uh, sometimes kids may even know what's in their IEP that right. maybe uh, some accommodations, maybe the parents advocated for, but maybe the student never really realized how to how to access them. Yeah. That's, yeah, I thought about it that way. Yeah, so, 
Yeah. Amanda, do you have other uh, go-to kinds of things that you like to use in your therapy uh, that you could recommend? Yeah. So one of the other big projects I usually work on with all my students is I like to write a book. Ooh. And I do this, you know, all ages, no matter what their goal is. And we work on one sheet every day, just about. And it can be, you know, okay, we're going to write a sentence. You have to have three of your sounds in the sentence somewhere. And they can get, you know, really silly with it, the little ones. or you know, the older ones are working on vocabulary. I'm like, okay, tell me your sentence. All right, I want you to change two words to two synonyms. Or I want you to use this vocabulary word in you know, use it correctly, no matter what their goal. I feel like you can find some way to incorporate that. And then either I'm typing it for them, just depending on the, you know, the school, or they're working on a piece of paper there. And then their teacher is holding it for them for the whole year. Um, and then at the end of the year, we, you know, whole punch it all together, put some ribbon on it, and they can decorate the cover, they can write a dedication, they can color the pages. It's, you know, a kind of a nice little keepsake. And they can kind of see how far they've come and what things they've accomplished throughout the year. And I think it's a cool little momentum. You know, they get to take home and they get to share it. And they're like, oh, look, mom, I dedicated it to you. And it's because I love you. Yeah. I love that idea. I haven't Mm -hmm. thought of doing that before. Do you you use any, like, special programs to help you do that? Or is it kind of like if you're writing it, you just, like, pull up a Google Doc or something like that? Yeah, I I just usually do it right in, like, a Google Doc. And that way I'm just saving it under each kid. And that way I – and if I'm writing it, I usually print it and mail it to write to the school for the end of the year. Um, But most of the time, I mean, the school is able to come up with, you know, paper that they can – or a notebook that they can leave in the speech room. So it mm-hmm. makes it, you know, a lot easier instead of me having to print it all and then mail it. But mm-hmm. I've done that before because I don't mind. Yeah. And so I want to hear more about uh, Talk Path Live. Yeah. So tell me, tell us more about the company, how it started and and what you guys are doing. So we have been around for about the past seven years, and it's a breakaway company, and we're part of Lingraphia. Lingraphia? I'm going to say that wrong. <laughs> Graphica? There we go. I always get, you know, it has that CA in it, and I always screw that up. And um, currently, we are servicing about 13 different states. and. It's, you know, we are a smaller company on the scale of things, but we kind of like it that way. We didn't want to grow too big too fast and not be able to keep up with it. Um, It's a very small leadership team that I'm part of, but I love that it's a small leadership team. We are in constant communication. We talk every day on the phone, probably five to six times a day. Um, We are messaging on Teams. We are emailing. We are text messaging. So we're in constant know of what our clinicians are doing, what our school's needs are, which is a really nice thing to have your handle on as you go through the year. You kind of know what the problems might be before they become a problem. Mm -hmm. So if there's someone working in telepractice who feels lonely, yours might be a good company to kind of look at. 
Yeah, definitely. I say a lot of my, I mean, all my clinicians have my personal phone number um, and they are free to call and text me basically any time of day. Um, the yeah. only time I turn my phone off and put it on like do not disturb is about 9 p.m. Eastern time. So it's a little early, you know, on the West Coast, but it's, I mean, I do need my sleep, but, you know, I have clinicians who text me on the weekend. I had one text me this past Sunday and she had found a book that she was super excited about to use in um, speech this week. And I was super happy and I was like, yes, I'm so glad she felt comfortable enough to text me that on over a weekend. Because, you know, that's great that we have that kind of relationship and they feel that that type of open door, which I really want them to feel like they can call me with any win or any, you know, any time that they need someone to listen to them complain or help them problem solve with something. So as you as you guys are are really providing these services across the country. What are some of the just general trends that you're seeing? I mean, and what I'm saying is, you know, obviously there's lots of people hiring right now. Is, do you think there is a shortage of SLPs out there? Well, I think there is a shortage of just about every type <laughs> of clinician out there. Um, and I think the biggest trend we've seen, um, especially since COVID, is the need for counseling that mm-hmm. has increased so much. And I think it has a lot to do with COVID and unfortunately the school shootings and just anxiety in general that we are Mm -hmm. seeing some of these students have. And there's just not enough qualified people out there for us, you know, for everyone to hire. So does your company hire more than just um, SLPs? Yeah. So we do, you know, school psychs, we have assistive technology specialist, dyslexia, OTPT, uh, counseling, just about everything that you can think of um, that you can provide online. We do hire, except teachers. That's great. And yeah. and you mentioned you have license in, in 16 states. Is that the states you guys are basically in those 16 states? Can't <laughs> talk today. Uh, in those 16 states, and, and that's that's sort of your your region, so to speak? So, no. No, okay. No. <laughs> I am only licensed in, let's see, about three of the states we currently serve. Um, gotcha. And then the rest I have just, you know, gathered throughout the years. Um, and, you know, some I probably will never use again. Probably, <laughs> let me try to think of one. And, um, but it always seems better to keep them than to have to go through getting them again. <laughs> yeah, that's how I feel. Um, like Montana, it's a very, you know, that's a very out there type of state that you don't see a lot of need for teleservices in Montana. But, I, you know, I hold that one because at one point I did have, you know, a caseload there. Mm-hmm. And we do service actually one student there. And we have for the past three years. But, you know, to us, that one student, you know, really did matter. And we will continue to service that student for as long as he is in school. That's awesome. So how many states uh, are you guys are countrywide in a sense? Yes. Wherever wherever you need. 13 states. Okay. Awesome. We really, we kind of pride ourselves on using more of an educational model instead of a business model for business. Mm -hmm. Um, Our chief technology officer and our chief program developmental officer, they used to work together in a school. 
prior making the move to TalkPath Live. Mm-hmm. Um, so they really wanted to run TalkPath Live with the experience of also working in a school setting and knowing right. what those, you know, billing expenses look like for the admin and kind of tr- being able to troubleshoot problems again before they could even start. Mm-hmm. And do that's you guys great. have your own platform or is that, do you use one that's already out there? Yeah, we, we use right now just one that's already out there. We just use Teams. Oh, okay. Okay. Awesome. Just you know, a pretty good platform. Yeah. yeah. And do you um, have like a bank of resources for and materials for your uh, clinicians that contract with you? We do. So yeah, we have a bank of resources that have been all clinician made. Um, You know, we check it quarterly, if not more, to make sure that there's nothing in there that's not supposed to be, you know, things slide by that, you know, things get uploaded that were, you know, copyrighted, or maybe they people didn't realize it's copyrighted. So we really just try to keep it stuff that, you know, our clinicians have made and have given us permission to share which is, you know, nice. And then we have a bunch of websites that we have vetted ourselves to make sure that that they have like good evidence-based, you know, themes on them and, you know, or goals, places where you can find good goals. So we have a lot of materials that we have created throughout the years to share with um, our clinicians, which I think most people appreciate. I mean, a lot of people do come into work for us with experience, but sometimes we have had medical-based SLPs or OTs and PTs come work for us as we don't require them to have that school-based experience mm-hmm. uh, prior. And we just give him them mentorship and, you know, they found those resources really useful. So I know a lot of people use it daily and then some people don't use it at all. Right. I think it just kind of depends. Sure. And are you guys hiring CFs or they have to have their Cs? So we're not in right now uh, hiring CFs just because we were thinking about it. But that new rule came out where you have mm. to have, I don't know how many in-person sessions. So we don't know how that would happen at this time right. for us. Right. Yeah, so if it? we can figure out a way for that to work or if there's somebody that interviews that's really close by to mm-hmm. one or other, you know clinicians then yeah i think we could probably make that work yeah i wasn't happy to see those requirements um it's tough not not good um so amanda i think it's time for the most important part of this visit and that is our moment of zen are you familiar that with he, when he told you all of the things that we were going to do in the podcast? He never mentions this. I, part. I was like, There's something I have to do for a moment. Of <laughs> so I've listened to some, I've listened to quite a few, and I don't know if I've ever remembered listening to a moment of Zen. Well, this, this is going to be fun. Um, we have three different lists uh, of 10 questions. And so we want you to choose which list we will ask you. List A, B, or C. And this is just a fun thing that we do to get to know our guests a little bit better. So which list would you like us to use? List A, B, or C? We'll go with A for Amanda. Awesome. 
List A. We haven't had an A in a while. You've forgotten what these questions are? <laughs> a lot of people are choosing B these days. B. I don't know why. It's just A is good. So, mm. Amanda, what's the most used app on your phone? Instagram. Good. Perfect. What's the last TV show or movie that you streamed? Ooh, I'm re-watching... Um, the Mandy Moore TV show, um, This Is Us. Oh, this yeah. Is Us. Mm-hmm. Good one. My, one of my favorites. Well, my wife's favorites, actually. Um, what's a favorite book? Hmm. I think about this. I have a lot of favorite books. Um, my absolute favorite, though, is Anna Green Gables. Oh, nice. Very nice. Next question is, if you could create one law, or behavior that everyone had to do, what would it be? To be kind. I think everyone should have to be kind more often to themselves and to each other. That would solve a lot of other things, right? That would, would solve some problems. Um, next question. Who would you like to have dinner with, dead or alive? I would love to have dinner one more time with my grandma on my mother's side. She was my favorite person in the world. So mm-hmm. that's who I would pick. Yeah, that would be my answer too. Yeah, there, I think I think probably most people do say a, a, a grandmother, a grandfather, yeah. a relative. Um, next question. What's the scariest thing you've ever done? And you can define scary in any way you want. Think about this one. Oh my goodness. I think the scariest thing was leaving my in-person job to move to the teletherapy world. Even though I knew I had to, it was still a big change for me. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I'd been with my current job four years when I made that jump. And it it was just, it was the unknown. The unknown was scary. Sure. Any advice for someone that's scared of making that jump too yeah so i would say maybe shadow someone if you can if you can find anyone or reach out to some companies and ask them if you can shadow Mm -hmm. Um, i think there's a lot of great resources out there now that weren't available you know eight years ago um and you can find things on youtube um and if at all possible if you're really scared just to make that jump is maybe do half and half Mm -hmm. you know work two days in person, work three days online or do the opposite or see if you can mm-hmm. find a summer gig, which I know are hard to come by. Mm-hmm. I like Those that are, idea though. Yeah. Great. I've suggestions. Said a lot. Yeah. I've said a lot that um, I feel like telepractice is scary to a lot of people because we haven't seen it done because a lot of the, well, now we have <laughs> post 2020, but you know, new grads coming out or people that didn't have that experience. It's kind of this ambiguous, like, how would you do that? Cause we haven't seen it done. So I like that idea of shadowing. Yeah. I think it's scary too. Cause you see a lot of negative towards teletherapy online because people had bad experience right. with it during COVID, but right. they were also thrown into it, mm-hmm. didn't have time to prepare. And I like to kind of ward that off and say, well, that's not what it's really about. You, right. need, you know, kind of prep yourself a little more and it's, it's not a scary thing. People are not have 
all at home and having to get used to this new way of life, you know, for a little bit of time. Very true. Next question. Where, let's see, where is the most exotic or farthest place you've been? Hmm. Not very far. Um, <laughs> not well traveled. Um, e West, Florida, maybe. <laughs> yes, in Florida, my depending on where you go in Florida, it can be very scary or <laughs> exotic or whatever you want to do. I I did an internship with an audiologist that she grew up in Key West, Florida, and she said that it wasn't until high school that she realized, or till college, that she realized it wasn't normal to ride your boat to your friend's house. <laughs> oh, cool. Yes. And <clears throat> my daughter and her husband live in Florida now, so I keep trying to lure them back um, up north a little bit. I don't think they're going to come. They do like it. Um, let's see. Next question is, if you didn't choose your current profession, what would you like to try? I always thought maybe after watching OT is I would like to try OT next. <laughs> oh, nice. I thought yeah. I was like, maybe I can just go get that degree too, but probably not. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. Um, next question is, what is a pet peeve that you have? People who yawn loudly. <laughs> okay. Good. It's like, don't be bored in my presence. <laughs> I mean, you can yawn in my presence. You just you don't have to yawn loudly. loudly. I feel like that's sure. a purposeful thing. You are mm -hmm. trying to tell me something. Mm -hmm. Cover your mouth and just, you know, do it quietly. There you go. I like that. Okay, last question is, if heaven exists, what would you want to hear God say when you arrive at the pearly gates? Welcome, and the Diet Coke room is right. <laughs> yes, we will be there with there you. you yes. And Todd. <laughs> yeah. That would be good. Don't need the water into wine. Just give me some Diet Coke. <laughs> just give me some Diet Coke and I'd be perfect. <laughs> yeah, that sounds great. Well, Amanda, how can people reach out to you or if they're interested in TalkPath Live, what can they do? Yeah, so they could definitely go to our website to apply at TalkPathLive.com. Or if they want, they can also email me directly at asymmetco at TalkPathLive.com. That's wonderful. Well, Best of luck to you and everything that you're doing, and we hope to have you back someday. All right. Well, I really appreciate you guys having me. Well, that was Amanda Sametko from Talk Path Live. So go check out what she's doing, and uh, who knows? It could be an opportunity there for you. And thank you for listening to this episode. If you don't mind, please rate, review, subscribe, follow, or share this episode. and this podcast to those who you think would benefit. We'd really appreciate it. And we want to get more subscribers to the podcast. And until next week, be safe and be kind. This has been a production of the 3C Digital Media Network. 